just want to start off by thanking you guys uh, for giving Landon the time off with Sonny and the children. You know, it's important for families, especially your pastors. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but the research says that top three positions every year, pastors up there for depression, um, hardships, distraught in their families. And so this time that you guys giving them away, it's important for them to rebuild themselves, to get rejuvenated, to get refreshed, for Landon to come back and just be on fire for the word again, be on fire for you. He loves you guys. He doesn't want to be away, but this time is so important for him and his family. So I just want to thank you guys. You guys are doing a huge part of the body right now by giving him this time off. And, and you're stuck with me, so I hope you enjoy your time. Um, you know, when Landon reached out to me uh, a couple months ago now, we were still living in Arizona, um, just finishing up uh, this stint of Bible college. And he reached out and said, hey, would you be willing to preach? I hear you're going to be in town for your nephew's wedding. I'm going out of town. I'm like, did you do that on purpose? He didn't know. He's, he's going to be back, so we'll see him when he comes back next week. But he said, is there something you want to preach on? I said, yeah, there's something I've been working on for the last couple of years, a couple of different messages, a couple of things that have gone through my heart and changed in the last few years. And I want to share that with you guys today because no matter how old you are as a Christian, how long you've been walking with the Lord, I think a question comes in our mind every once in a while. And you may be a new believer. You may be believing for a long time. You may be thinking, what is my calling? What is my purpose in my walk? I came to be a Christian, now what? I have these gifts, Lord, but I'm not a pastor, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not out on the mission field, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. I just have a job. So what is my calling, Lord? I thought everybody has a purpose. And I struggled with that a few years ago because our family knew we were called to full-time ministry, but as doors open, doors close, and as doors open, we close certain doors. It just didn't feel right. And then you get discouraged and you start thinking, is that really my call? Well, what is my call then? And I lost purpose for a little while because I didn't understand. So I started digging back into the word. I'm like, God, show me, reveal it to me. And that's what I want to share with you guys today. Something that ministered to me over the last few years, something that I've been able to talk to some of the men that I've mentored over the years that have spoken into their lives. I hope that it speaks to somebody here today. And, and again, these aren't my words. These are the Lord's words. So I'm praying now, Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to you guys. Because you guys don't want to hear from me. I'm just some guy that lives in Oklahoma now. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Pastor Charlie to the rescue. But I want to look at three calls that every Christian has on their life. Every Christian has a call on their life. The moment you come to Christ, there's callings on your life. We sometimes don't see it. So I want to go through three of them today. And just walk through that with you guys and see what changed me, what revitalized me and some of the guys I reached out to that were struggling with it. You know, you're sitting there at home and you're like, all I do is work. But you have kids. You have a job. You have a calling in those jobs. So hopefully this will minister to you. The first one I want to look at, if you're taking notes, is our call to obedience. Now, this is one that uh, <laughs> caused a lot of discontent among Christians and non-Christians alike because they think of the word obedience. What's the first thing you think of? Rules and regulations. Man, there's a bunch of rules and regulations I gotta go through. I gotta obey a bunch of stuff. Really? That's what you're telling me? But I want you guys to stick with it. Just listen to what the Lord has to say about obedience. I think you're gonna get a different picture than what a lot of people think it is. I did, because I didn't understand. But as I went through this, I'm like, man, that is some obedience, Lord. And I hope your mindset gets different towards obedience and what it looks like for God and what He desires from you. And it all stems from John 14:15. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. 
if you love me, keep my commands. So you see, wow, there's some kind of commands I've got to keep. There's something there that he wants from me. But I love the word love that he uses here. He doesn't use love just agape. He uses the verb tense. Now for you people who aren't English majors like me, I had to look up verb again because I forgot what it was. It's an action. So a verb is an action. So this is the actions tense of agape, which means a pouring out of that agape love that God has for us, that unconditional love, the one love that only God can put in us for anybody else, and the only love that he has for us, that agape, full love. So it's the word agapo, that verb tense. So he's saying, hey, this acting out of your love for me, there's some commandments here. And as you walk in these commandments, now bear with me, when we get to this, we'll get to the next point, and it'll draw it all together. But as you're walking in this, you're pouring out that love. If that love you truly have is being poured out, that means you're walking with me. You're walking in obedience with me, and that love is being poured out. And he continued on in verse 14, 21. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love and manifest myself to him. So think about that. As you're pouring out this love in the name of Jesus, you're loving him and the Father's loving you. So what is he doing in return? He's manifesting more love in you. More. He doesn't want you holding on to the love that he gives you. He wants you pouring out that love to others. And that's where I was stuck. Because I was holding on to everything God gave me. But I wasn't pouring back out that love. That's what his desire was for me. Hey, I'll manifest more if you give it away. And the more you give away, the more you get from him. It's amazing how your life changes and the people around you change and their lives change. Because love is flowing. There's got to be a flow. It's an action verb that he's given us. You know, and there's two clear scriptures there that we just read that you see that action flow. You see that act of obedience he's calling it. But what is the obedience part? That's where it kind of got me, keep my commands. Like, Lord, I don't get how that follows in with love. How does it all fit together? So let's look at the second one. And we're going to spend a little bit more time on this one because it ties together. It's our call to love. There's that obedience of keeping my commands and that pouring out of love. But our second calling that everyone has is to love. Now, I want to take you to Matthew 22, and this chapter, if you have a, you know, the Version Bible app, shameless plug for those who know me, um, have your Bible handy, turn to Matthew 22, and what this chapter is, is this is a testing chapter for Jesus, not from the enemy, not from the devil, but from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they're all here, and this is the chapter where they go at him tooth and nail, they have questions for him, and their mindset here isn't, we want to learn from Jesus. Their mindset is, we're going to trap Jesus. We're going to get him today to the point where we're going to grab him and be done with him forever. So they're throwing things at him. And nothing's sticking. Nothing's working. But we get to the section we're going to go to, in verse, starting in verse 35. So now they're like, okay, nothing's working. We're going to get the big gun. We're getting the biggest gun that we can to come out here and go after Jesus. And that's a lawyer who's also a Pharisee. Because now he knows the law of the land. He knows the law of the Old Testament. He knows both. And what are lawyers good at? Debating. We have a lawyer sitting over there. 
they're good at debating. They're good at getting the truth out of a situation. And so they bring out their big gun, and they're ready. And that lawyer stands up in front of Jesus. And in a polite way, he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Now you think there's 600 plus commandments in the Old Testament. And in their mind right now, they're like, we got them. This is it. How can he, a man on earth, pick out which one of those 600 plus is the greatest? He's done for. We've got him. And this lawyer, he's going to draw everything out of him. He's going to cross-examine him. He's going to get everything out of this man to the point where we can grab him and finally convict him. But in true Jesus fashion, he shows up and he gives the one and only answer that he could give to prove that he was God. And he was on here on earth. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the, great, or the first and great commandment. And he says again, I'll repeat it for you. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I emphasize all there because this all means it all in. There's no difference. There's no partiality. You're all in in your love for God. That is the first and great commandment. And Jesus had him right there. There's nothing they could say. Nothing they could say back because it's an all in love for God. Because that's what the Pharisees believed they had. That's what the Sadducees believed they had. But he's telling them, that's what you need. But he didn't stop there. Again, he's using that action word agapo, but he didn't stop there. He continued on, and he said the next is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. To agapo your neighbor as yourself. Now, who's your neighbor? That's a question Jesus even answered, and it was the Good Samaritan in that story. But who's the neighbor here? I'm going to read it to you. It's the Greek word plesion, and I'm going to read it because I don't want to miss any one point of it. It's important to hear. Any other person, irrespective of nation or religion, with whom we live or whom we have a chance to meet. Let me repeat that again. Any other person irrespective of nation or religion with whom we live or whom we have a chance to meet, who might we meet on this earth? Everyone. And anyone that's born in our time on this earth. We're to love everyone? Absolutely we're to love everyone. Every other human being, whether you agree with them or not. That was a hard point for me. There's a lot of people that disagree with me or, you know, I learned from one pastor and it was really good advice. He says, you walk into a room of 100 people, 10 to 15 already hate you without even meeting you because that's their personality. That's who they are as a person. They're already looking at you and judging you by the way you look, by your appearance. But Jesus says, love them. You can see him snicker at you. I don't, I'm not the best dressed guy in the world. I get a shirt that's cheap on the clearance rack. That's what I do. Someone doesn't like that. But I still love him. doesn't matter to me. And this is what was missing in my life. Like, wait a second. The commandments that Jesus is saying, follow my commands, he's given them right here. 
to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, to love your neighbor as yourself. One couple things I want to point out in this last one, to love your neighbor as yourself. You are not second. And I'm not bashing ministries and stuff, but sometimes I get into that mindset that it's God and then me. It's not God and then me. It's God, others, me. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're last. If you take God out of the picture because not, God's not here on earth, remember Jesus said here on earth, if you try to be first, you're going to be last in heaven. If you're last on earth, you're first in heaven. If you take God because he's in heaven, look on earth. If you put yourself second, guess what? You just put yourself first because you put everybody else behind you. So when you get to heaven, you're last. But if you put yourself last here on earth and everybody else first, you understand love. And that love is what gets you places in heaven because you're going to love people. This was a change in my life that I'm like, wow. Man, have I been doing it wrong these years? I'm not loving right. And one more important thing I want to point out about that is he doesn't say to stop loving yourself, as some will preach that this says. He says, as yourself. He doesn't say stop loving yourself, because the moment you stop loving yourself, you get into depression. You allow the door to the enemy to come in and chastise you and convict you, give you condemnation that it isn't just because it's the enemy giving it to you. The moment you stop caring about yourself, the enemy's going to tear you down. And I got into a place of that at one time. It's not a pretty place to be at. And I love how C.S. Lewis put it in Mere Christianity. He said, humility is not thinking of yourself less, or it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Let me rephrase that. Redo it again. So humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. You still love yourself, but you're not putting yourself first above anybody else. You genuinely care about everybody else. And one of the things I saw in this, as I was reading this passage, as God made it clear to me, was Jesus is the ultimate closer. A lot of preachers and teachers I hear stop at that verse, and they say, we start at these two commandments, and we start adding on the Old Testament, and that's how we get the commandments we need to follow. But Jesus closes this out with a different thought. And I want to look at verse 40 with you. It's very important you catch this. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. What did he just say? On these two hang all the law and the prophets? What does it mean? What does hang mean? To sum up and fulfill. Wait a second. Are you telling me that if I start loving people, I'm going to naturally start fulfilling the law? And that got me into this session of studying. I'm studying the word. My thoughts going on, and I'm like, Lord, how can that be? I started thinking about it. If I truly loved the Lord God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, am I going to blaspheme God? It's the last thing on my mind. Am I going to put other idols before him? Am I going to take his name in vain? Absolutely not, because I'm working on loving him. I was like, what is that? Is that like the same thing for people? Lord, show me. Is it the same for people? You know, if I love my neighbor, truly love him, you know what? I'm not going to look at his wife with lust and try to steal his wife because I'm happy that my neighbor is happy with his wife. 
I'm happy that my neighbor has the things he has because it makes him happy. I'm not going to try to steal what he has because I love my neighbor. I started going on and I started thinking about this and I started going through some of the Old Testament commandments. I'm like, man, truly, if I do love God, I'm not going to do that. Now, does that mean I don't sin? Absolutely not, because what happens? Something happens in my life. Something bugs me. I have a rough day at work, and what's the last thing on my mind? Loving people and loving God. And that's when I fall. And I had set a reminder on my phone driving home from work to remind myself it's not about myself. It's about loving my family and every day trying to get home and get that mindset changed so that I walked in the door ready to love them. Because, yeah, I worked... 11 and a half hours today, and it was a tough day, but now I'm stepping into another realm. Was I perfect at it? No. Sometimes I silence that alarm because I didn't want to hear it. I think we all do that. When God's speaking to us, we silence God. But I started sharing this, so I started putting this into practice, and things started changing in my life. People started changing. The gospel is going out in the different ways that people are understanding and getting saved, and I'm like, Wait a second, Lord, you're doing stuff. So I started sharing this with people. I'm like, trusted brothers in the Lord, pastors, friends, and they're like, you're stretching the truth here. You're stretching the words of God. You're borderline heresy. Don't go there. And it crushed me because I'm like, Lord, you're doing so many things in my life. You showed it to me right here in your word. How can this be wrong? And you start going through a little part of doubting yourself. Doubting what God is saying to you. Doubting what you feel from the Lord in your heart. Because those people you trusted are all of a sudden saying, you're a heretic. Don't go there. But in true fashion, I'm like, Lord, I need to hear from you. Show me one way or another if I'm wrong. I need to know if I'm wrong, Lord. Show me if I'm wrong. Show me if I'm right. And James, he says, if you ask for knowledge, you're not double-minded and you're ready to take whatever answer you'll get, he'll give it to you. So after praying for a while, in true fashion, the Lord shows up. He's ready to give me the answer I'm looking for. Good or bad, he's going to show it to me. So I'm in Romans. I'm doing my study. And I get, in my daily devotions, I get through this, and I get to Romans 13, and I get to verse 8. And the light bulb came on, and the Lord's speaking. And it was just like, there it is. Paul speaking says, in Romans 13, verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. I'm like, right there. That's confirming what he said in Matthew, but did I still stretch it by going out? These love things is helping me to fulfill the law. My heart changed. Is it a heart change, Lord, that I feel? Because the more I tried to, to get away from sin, the more I tried to do it myself, guess what? Nothing. It got worse and worse and worse because the moment I fell, I was condemned. And then I'm just like, forget it. I'll just sin anyway. It doesn't matter because I've already done it. But I wasn't changing the heart. And he says, here are the heart. Love one another. Oh, no one anything except that. Now catch verse 9 of Romans 13. This is where God spoke to me and he said, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, they are all summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm like, wait a second. God, that's it. That's what you were showing me. And you just confirmed it in your word. And he says in verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. I'm like, man, that's it. My heart needs to change. 
that's where the change takes place within us, to stop sinning, to no longer desire to sin. It's not going to stop us from sinning completely because we're going to lose focus of love. So I went back to the brothers and I said, hey, look at this. Look what he says. The things I was telling you is right here in the Bible. Paul said it. Not a word. Silence. Dead silence. I went and talked to some other pastors. I'm hey, you know, am I far off on this? They're like, absolutely not. That's what the Word of God says. So some of those relationships have been bridged, and they understand, and they're seeing a different way. But for me, it was a whole different call. I have this obedience to love. Now, is it I'm not saved if I don't love? No. It's because God first loved me. What is the ultimate picture of love? Jesus. This man who went on a cross, he was falsely accused, given up by his friend, went through a false trial, beaten, had his beard plucked out, thorns on his head, bleeding down, whipped till his back was indescribable. His clothes ripped off of him, mocked and spit on. Yet he went on the cross and he said one word of love, to Telestai, it is finished. That love right there for each and every one person who did that. You know what? I still love you. I still am giving you an opportunity to repent and come to me like the thief on the cross did. He said to Telestai, that ultimate word of love, he could have walked away at that time. He's like, Lord, I'm done with all this. I don't want to go further. Look what they just did to me. But he says, I still love them. I'm done. It is finished. And that's our call to love because we walk out of that love and I see Paul saying it here, and Paul and in Galatians, and then the word just started like a river opening up to me. And the Lord just started showing me more and more things. In Galatians 5, 13 through 14, he says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On two different occasions, Paul points it out, and I'm like, okay, Lord, how about anybody else? He goes, how about Jesus' own brother? In James, he says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality to follow the law, you commit sin and are convicted by law as transgressors. Because whoever shall keep the whole law and stumble on one point breaks it all. He's saying there, you have a choice. Do you want to try to follow it out of follow the law of obedience, or do you want to try to change your heart towards love and allow God to change your heart towards sin that's in your life? That's what I was missing. I was trying to do it all. I didn't allow God to make any changes in my life. Have I perfected this? Absolutely not. I'm a work in progress. My family's right there. You can ask them afterwards, especially Samara. She'll tell you the truth. <laughs> so now you have Jesus' own brother. What about the pillars of faith? Peter and John, do they say anything about this? Matter of fact, they do. Peter says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sin. Okay? John says, and his, this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So you've got Peter, you've got James, Paul, John, all confirming what Jesus said. But that's not enough for me. I've got to keep going. You know, I need more proof. Jesus, show me more. He says, okay, what about my own words? Will that be enough for you if I give you some of my own words to confirm my own words? 
Yeah, Lord, I guess so. I guess that'll be good. So in John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this they will know you're the disciples. If you have love for one another. It doesn't say if you work your hardest to not follow all the commandments in the Old Testament, but if you have love for one another. Jesus knowing that that love is what brings those commandments to remembrance. And your desire to go against anybody goes away. Because out of true love, you're not going that way. You're not going to hurt the people you love. And I think in Revelation 2 is another good picture where he's talking to the church of Ephesus. He's talking about their good works and how they're working really hard. And he said, hey, I love your works. I love what you're doing. But I have one thing against you. You've lost your first love. Now think about that time when you first got saved. That first time when forgiveness came upon you and you were running like crazy to tell every single person how much you love them, how much Jesus loved them, and the gospel came out of your mouth because you loved them so much you did not want them to go where you were going because you knew where you were going and you were just going to tell them about Jesus. And I thought to myself, where did I lose that? Where along the way did I lose that? It's when I started trying to be something I wasn't. When I tried to be perfect, when I tried to walk in all the commandments, when I tried to hold the list up and say, okay, today I'm not going to do this. You know, the more I said don't lust when I first got saved, the more I lusted. Because why? It's at the forefront of my mind. Don't lust, don't lust, don't lust. The enemy's lust, lust, lust. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, all right, I just lusted. Darn it all. Okay, tomorrow I, I, you know, I won't steal anything, you know, or I won't murder somebody, you know. But you look at somebody, he's like, oh, I hate that guy right there. Okay, I just murdered, I'm done, I'm, I, I blew that one. And it starts becoming about that in your life versus the love that Christ gave you to start loving these people. And so we have that call to obedience. He says, follow my commands. I'll know you love me. You're working out that love. We have a call to obedience to work out that love he's given us to transform our lives, to look at the neighbor that's next to us. You know, their Muslim neighbor. I've shared the gospel, but they, they didn't hear it. So therefore, I'm not going to talk to him anymore. Is that the right attitude to have? I'm so thankful for my brother and his wife, my sister-in-law, for sticking with me for years after I didn't accept the first time they told me about Jesus, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth. They loved me through it all. Never once did we look at them and say, well, they rejected the gospel. I'm moving on. I'm done with them. I'm not going to talk to them ever again, especially their next-door neighbor. Because it may take somebody like me two and a half years from fearing it the first time to get it planted in my head to the point where Jesus works through and Jesus says, here you go. Let me reveal myself to you. Now accept me. Have that patience with them. Don't run from them. Have that love for them. Don't hate them because they don't understand what you understand. They're not in your place. That was a mind shift for me over the last five years that God worked hard on. I think back to the people I alienated in my life. The open doors that the Lord gave me and I shut down because people didn't get what I got. And the Lord started saying, just love them. Just love them. At your workplace, love them. Now, I've been gone from my workplace, you know, 
what is it, two months now, going on two months, and I get more texts from that place, people looking for advice, people wanting prayer, people wanting this, people wanting that. Why? Because I love them well. I told them about Jesus. They didn't accept right away, but I loved them well anyway. And now they're curious, and now they're asking questions. Had I closed that door on every one of them, I wouldn't be hearing from anybody. That's what happened in my past. I don't want that to be my present and my future. I so love everybody that I want them to come to Christ. I want them to be free to serve God in a way that God wants them to serve. So that moves into our next point, our third calling. So we have the call to obedience, which rolls into the call to love, which rolls into the call to serve. And we all have that call to serve. It looks different for everybody. There's different ways to serve. You know, Jesus, when he's ending up, you see the Gospels ending up, Jesus always has a blurb in there where he's talking. And he's given us a little key to how he wants us to serve. At the end of Matthew, he says, go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. So what's one way we can serve? We can go and go make disciples. We can baptize people. We can teach them. We can do all four. The end of Mark, he says, and this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it, it just blows my mind. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures. What does that mean, Lord, to all creatures? Am I supposed to sit on a park bench talk to a squirrel? <laughs> you know, and then that's what I first saw. And he's just like, what that means and what he's encompassing, there's don't stop if nobody's around. If you think nobody's listening, just keep preaching because the c- creatures are going to hear you. Everybody's listening. And I often think about that. I'm like, if I go sit outside and just start preaching the gospel and all that can hear me are the squirrels and the bunnies, does that make me more comfortable in sharing the gospel? It does because it becomes part of my life. It becomes part of something I'm doing. Then when I'm standing in front of a person, it's not so hard anymore. Maybe that's what he had in mind here. I don't know, but I always love that. Go preach the gospel to all creatures. So there we go. So he ends uh, Luke. He said that the Repentance and remission of sins should be preached to all the world. So preaching the gospel again. We're making disciples. We're baptizing them. We're teaching them. Teaching them how to preach the gospel. Teaching them how to baptize. Teaching them how to make disciples. Teaching them how to go forth. And Acts, of course, a lot of people know Acts 1-8. Most people be witnesses in all the world. Your life is to be a witness. That's a call that you have. When you love well, when you're looking at that person saying, you know what, they didn't get it the first time. But if I keep serving them like Jesus served them, they're going to get it eventually. It may take 20 years. You know, I think of uh, Pastor Ron Earl. He's a pastor we know. He was a pastor for 42 years before he retired. He prayed for his brother for 35 years. And he loved his brother for 35 years and didn't turn his back on him. His brother finally accepted the Lord, and for the last seven years, he can't get his brother to shut up now about Jesus. It's all he talks about. But Ron Earl was faithful to his brother for 35 years until he came to Christ. He loved well. So I encourage you as you're serving and you're thinking of the people, don't give up on them. I gave up on too many people. Doors closed, and I'm still trying to mend relationships, and the Lord's giving grace to mend some of those relationships but it's just pouring out love into them to saying, you know what, I'm not who I was. I understand Christ a little bit differently than I did before. So I want to finish it with this part of serving. I'll start wrapping up the message here with 
finishing up our call to serve. And if you guys have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. And this is, it's a neat story when I'm, I'll read the scriptures and I'll share a little story about how the Lord brought these scriptures to remembrance. It's, it's a neat story of just doing something I do out of nature now. But God, the very next day, put this verse in front of my face and confirmed what I had done the day before without even knowing what I did. And so if you're there, Matthew 25, verse 35, he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you, Lord? And he says, and the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. That's serving well. That's our call to serve. As much as you did it to the little one. Brethren, you've done it to me. You've served Jesus. The story I'll share is uh, we just moved. Um, Some of you may... If you haven't heard our story, like, aren't they from Arizona? Well, yes, we were uh, until June 2nd. We moved to Oklahoma. And on our way, we didn't want to stay at a hotel because we had all of our stuff in the big truck, and we had a trailer with a car with stuff in it. We had another truck with stuff in it pulling another trailer, and we had all this stuff going across country. We didn't want to stay in a hotel because if we can make it to Rebecca's dad's house in Amarillo, we'll push ourselves. That's a 14-hour drive, and we're going we're to get it done in a day. Well, we got off. Our, on the start on the road, an hour and a half late. So we're like, oh, great. Here we go. We're burning daylight already. Then GPS routes us the wrong way. So we're going this way, which now takes longer. We're going up the hills that we went to have to go up over here, or the mountains, actually, that we went not had to go up over here. A truck can only do 35 packed full up a mountain. So 10 minutes up a mountain, going 35, I just lost 10 minutes because it should have only taken, or five minutes because it should only take me five minutes to get up there. So as we're going, we're burning more and more daylight. We get to Gallup, New Mexico. Three semis crash on the other side of the highway. One of the semis is burning. You can see the flames for a mile. They got to close both sides of the highway. We're stuck, nowhere to go. We burn an hour there. And so as we get going on our trip, we're realizing, man, it's going to be after midnight before we get to Amarillo, Texas. And her dad's not young, so he had to stay up late, you know? And we're like, trying to get there as soon as we can. So we're like, all right, our stops are going to be gas, potty, go. Gas, potty, go. So we get to a stop, and it's close to evening, mid-afternoon, evening in New Mexico. And we go in. We go potty, or get gas, go potty, we're going out. Rebecca's in the gas because she's got the regular car. I got that big truck with a diesel, so I'm going to the diesel lot. So we part, and I said, I'll pull around, just pull behind me. And I walk behind this wall, and I see this woman. And I went through a police academy, an employee police academy. I worked for Gilbert, Arizona, the, the municipality there. And I recognized the tracks on her arm. And I recognized the scabs on her face. And I realized she's, she's on meth. And I see this little boy. No shoes in New Mexico in the desert, hot ground. Clothes all dirty, all ratty. And he just looks pale. And I stop. And I don't know how we started on this conversation. It was Gianna and I. And I don't know how I started talking to her. She's talked first. If I talked first, I have no idea. But the whole time, my attention was drawn to that boy. Because I knew that right now he wasn't getting the care he needed. And somehow she told me, that her boyfriend and her got in an argument about drugs and he dropped her off and made her walk from the highway. 
and that's how they ended up there. And I just looked at this boy, and I said, ma'am, can I feed your son? Or I asked her, when, when did he eat last? Oh, early this morning. When we were talking, he missed lunch, and he snacks during the day. He's just like four or five years old. And it's dinner time. Like, can I feed your son? She hesitated at first. She goes, I suppose. I said, son, what do you want to eat? He was shy. He didn't say anything. I said, do you like pizza? Yes, pizza. He got all excited. He wanted a piece of pizza. Now he had a bottle of water. I don't know. Someone may have given him that. But he was starving. So I go back in and I start walking into the gas station. I'm really cheap. I won't buy anything at a gas station because I don't like paying those prices. But for me, but for somebody else, like this boy, I don't care. So Rebecca's like, what are you doing? Because she's in the other car waiting for me to come out on the road. And she looks back, what are you doing? I'm like, just wait, just wait. So I go in, and of course, there's 10 people in line now. There was nobody in line before. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And, you know, faithfully, I just stuck through it. Got this boy some pizza. And I walked out, and I said to him, Jesus loves you. I want you to know that. This pizza is from Jesus. Remember that. I gave it to him, and I walked away. That may be the only time he hears about Jesus in his life. But he's going to remember that. I don't tell you this story to toot my horn or anything like that. I wanted to tell you the story because of what Jesus did the very next day, what the Lord did. The verse of the day, the next day, was verse 40. And it said, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And he pointed out, you fed me yesterday. You were in a hurry. You were in a rush. Too busy to even buy your kids something to drink. You made them drink the warm water because you were in a hurry. But this little boy is out there, and you see that he's not cared for. You see that there's a need, and you stopped and fulfilled it, no matter how long it was going to delay your trip. You fed me yesterday. And the light bulb went on. I'm like, man. I didn't see that boy as somebody who was destitute or down on their luck. I saw that boy as someone who needed a love right now. And just naturally, that's where my heart went. Five years ago, I would have been, and I got to get going. Sorry about that. Sorry about little boy. You're going to starve. My mind wasn't in the right place. My heart naturally drew to that boy. Not me, not anything I could do, but the love of Jesus drew to that boy and said, hey, he needs something to eat. I just share that story with you because it can change your life. You know, our call to obedience, our call to love, and our call to serve all comes out of that heart of Jesus. It all comes out of him transforming our heart. We all have these calls on our life. And don't get to that place where I was where I didn't understand my call. And shortly thereafter, it dawned on me that day as I'm driving the rest of the leg through Texas to get to Oklahoma, I'm like, God, you know, the last five years you showed me some things. I was waiting on that major call that you had said and said through other people in my life, and I was destitute because I didn't get it. But you showed me these three little calls, and I started putting them into practice, and people are getting saved. Lives are getting changed more than they ever have before. You're finally allowed to work through me because I allowed you to do it. But I'm on my way to be rewarded with the big thing today. I was faithful with the little things, and he finally said, you're faithful with the little things, congratulations. Now I can put you in charge of big things into full-time ministry like he promised years ago. But I was looking for it as I wanted it now. And I was not faithful in the little things. It wasn't until I got faithful in the little things, faithful to the calling that I already had in my life, that he could give me 
the final call that he has. And there may be another call. He may change it again in five years, 10 years. I don't know. But right now where I am, where, I am, where he wants me to be, every door was open. Red carpets were laid for us to get there. But I had to be faithful in the little things. Now I'm constantly reminded. I pull out these scriptures daily. I got a notebook of these scriptures over the years as I've gone through them. And I remind myself daily, you still need to be faithful in the little things. Don't forget. Because every moment I forget, I stop loving my family, I stop loving the neighbors, and I start focusing on my work or my job. Because now I'm in full-time ministry, that's, that's working for God, right? Now I can stop working on the little things. Absolutely not, because the moment I stop doing that, I'm not faithful in those little things to continue to be faithful in the big things. I think of your pastor and his faithfulness through change, through turmoil, through full-time work, to no longer working. He's been faithful to this body. He's faithful in the little things, and God has given him the big things to be faithful over. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, I pray that the words heard this morning were of you, Lord. And Father, we just pray for our hearts. Transform us, Lord. Give us that love within us, Lord, your love that can only transform our hearts to walk in that love. Help us to keep to remembrance the callings you've given us, Lord call to obedience, the call to love, and the call to serve. Father, help us never, ever get to a place where we don't feel called in you, Lord. You have a calling on each and every one of us. And Lord, if there's anyone here, Lord, that doesn't know you yet, who hasn't made that commitment to you, Lord, doesn't understand, Father, just open their eyes, have them come see myself or one of the elders, Lord, afterwards, that we can talk with them, we can share further with them about Jesus. Give the gospel to them if they haven't heard it before. Father, open those doors. We thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.